been yesterday, but still pretty good. Well, morning, everybody. Good to see you guys. So Gunner's birthday, as we said, is tomorrow. You know, it's our very own Philge's birthday today. Today, I believe you hit the big 4-8. So congrats to her. There you go. <laughs> so um, such a great time. Well, we are today, we are finishing up our series today on the names of God. We've been spending the last six weeks taking a look at different names that Yahweh uh, and God has. Uh, and we really believe that as we do this, that as we find out uh, what he has called and what other people have called him, that that reveals something to us about God. It's been really great for me um, just learning different aspects of his character. Um, and so what I want to do is just real quick, I'm just going to go through, and these are some of the last six names of God, and hopefully this will trigger a little bit of uh, memory as we go through. We started with Yahweh, right, where he declared himself that I am who I am, that Yahweh, God, whatever character trait he displays, that is who he is. Went over Yahweh Yira, the Lord provides. Yahweh Rofka, the Lord, my healer. Yahweh Nisi, the Lord is my banner. Adonai El Roy, the God who sees me. And last week, Yahweh Shalom, the Lord is peace. Well, today, the one that we're finishing out, we've actually got quite a bit of more names that we could do. Maybe we can do a Names of God Part 2 and look at some of the other names. But the one that we're finishing on is Yahweh Roi, the Lord my shepherd. The reason that I really wanted to do this one today, Yahweh Roi, is that it, I really feel like it encompasses all of the other names that we have taken a look at. It's kind of a great way where this one, I think, almost hits on every single one of the ones that we've gone through so far. And this name is the Lord my shepherd. We actually get this from Psalm 23. Something that was really interesting to me, this is a very popular uh, chapter of the Bible. If you spend time in church, it may, uh, may know what it is already. Something that was fascinating to me that I didn't know, I've even preached on Psalm 23 several times, once at this church previously. Um, I didn't know that uh, in Psalm 23:1 that David, this right here where he says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He actually starts by saying, Yahweh Roi. He names God. It's the only place in scripture that he names God, the Lord, my shepherd. So let's go ahead and read through or get ready to read through um, this passage here. We get to the very first part where it says, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Again, Yahweh Roi, I lack nothing. You know, this... Um, metaphor that David uses. He uses this metaphor of sheep and a shepherd uh, in a very interesting way. And this is something that gets lost on us as we understand relationships, right? Not a whole lot of shepherds. out. Any shepherds out here? Yeah, no. I'm not seeing any. Maybe online. Maybe we have some shepherds who are feverishly raising their hands, right? There's not a whole lot of shepherds around. So I think this metaphor gets missed on us a lot. Something that is very unique when it comes to all other type of animals or anything else is that a, shep a sheep's well-being is dependent upon how good of a shepherd he has. This is an animal that will not thrive or do well if they have a poor shepherd. 
And it's unique because, see, you can be a farmer or you can have other uh, animals, right? You can be a rancher, have cattle, right? And a milk, you know, I was going to say milk farmer. I don't know if that's right. What is that? Dairy, Dairy farmer. There you go. Right? You could, you could, a milk farmer, you, you farm milk. Um, but you could have like a bunch of cattle, right? And once you get the circumstances set up well and your machine going, the milk just kind of rolls through. You still have to do the work, but it just continues. Same thing with like chickens and eggs, right? You get everything set up and you just kind of leave it and get that machine going. Well, sheep is not that way at all. You have to have a special kind of this weird intimate relationship with sheep. You have to begin to really care for them and do a lot for them. And the reason for that is that sheep are unique in the sense that when they get together in large groups, sheep are very, very, very dumb, extraordinarily dumb. There are stories where they have literally killed themselves from exhaustion because they will be in a pen with a barn. The barn doors on both sides are open and you'll have a group of sheep who will start running into the barn. And the sheep all together would say, hey, look at those sheep over there who are running. I wonder where they're going. And they will follow those sheep. And by the time they get outside, they'll see the very end of the line running back into the barn. And they'll run after that. And they will run in circles over and over and over again until they fall over dead. Like, there was, there was a story in Turkey that happened not too long ago. There were 1,500 sheep on the edge of a cliff, 50-foot cliff. And about four or five of them, just for whatever reason, all spontaneously jumped off the cliff, to get, the cliff together. And all 1,500 followed suit. Only 400 died. The 1,100 landed on the other sheep and kind of rolled down, right? But it's just this weird thing that as sheep get together, they, they need a strong shepherd to lead them. I find it so interesting, too, that David, King David, who wrote a good portion of the Psalms, he was a shepherd, right? He knows what he's doing when he's describing this relationship between us and the Lord. He knows how dependent his sheep are on a shepherd. David was a good shepherd. And he knows how special that relationship is here. And this right here is what this Psalm 23 is about. Where he's describing how Yahweh supplies all of our needs. The Lord is my shepherd. Yahweh Rui. I lack nothing. And what he does is, is that we're going to go through and we're going to look at five different needs in this psalm that the Lord actually provides, that as our shepherd, he provides for us. Before I get too far, I just wanted to say that this, um, the structure of this sermon was, I was, I want to say borrowed, but not really borrowed, more stolen from a preacher that I actually, I listened to, um, his name's uh, Dr. Tony Evans. He is a phenomenal preacher. He has a church in Texas. He actually wrote an entire book on this psalm um, called uh, God is More Than Enough. And in it, he lists out these five different needs that are actually fulfilled through Lord. So um, just realize that's what I'm doing as we go through and walk through this stuff. Let's go ahead and put, I'm going to go through the list now um, as we go through and just read them. To see, So the first thing that we actually see is that he supplies our spiritual needs. And then he supplies our directional needs, our emotional needs, our physical needs, and then lastly, our eternal needs. So as the good shepherd, he, if we allow him to be our shepherd, if we allow him to take care of our needs, he will take care of 
just about every need that we could possibly have. So let's go ahead and start reading verses 1 through 3 here as we focus on the first one, the spiritual needs. It says, Yahweh Roi, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. It's not easy to make sheep lie down. They need to feel very comfortable. They have to be in a place, like not jagged or rocky, and they can't be scared in any way. If they're afraid that predators will come, they will just stand and never rest. In fact, if they're actually by a stream that is too loud and just noisy, they get freaked out and they actually won't sit there and rest. That's why it says that you leave me beside quiet waters, because a shepherd knows that if it's loud or if it's really uh, in a dangerous location, sheep won't actually rest. They'll just continue to be agitated. I'll tell you what, how many of you sometimes find that it's hard for you to lay down and rest? How many times where I think like sheep, it just takes the littlest thing to just bug me enough to not be able to get that refreshment that comes. I think that there's also a wonderful nuance here that I love in the text about what a good shepherd does. Because what he says in verse 3, David says that the good shepherd, Yahweh Rui, refreshes my soul. Refreshes your soul is different than gives you rest. Many times, I think it can be easy to confuse the two together. You know, sometimes when we are feeling spiritually empty, I think we confuse it as, I just need to take a break. I just need to stop doing certain things. And I, we believe in Sabbath, right? God rested on the seventh day of creating the universe. One of the Ten Commandments is um, you should honor the Sabbath. But let me ask you a question. Are you allowing in those times where you're resting for God to actually refresh your soul? I think many times I'm feel, when I feel spiritually empty, I just feel tired. And I'm like, all right, I'm just going to take a day and do nothing. I'm just going to sit on the couch, right, all day. But I'm like, am I really allowing the good shepherd? Am I going, Yahweh, will you please come in and just refresh my soul? Will you come in? My soul is just downcast. I know a lot of times when we meet people, we'll say, how are you doing? I think a lot of times what I've been trying to do recently when I'm in pastoral meetings is I'll ask people, how is your soul? Because that's a lot different question. God is the one who refreshes our soul when we spend time with him. The second need that he meets is our directional need. Here in verse 3, he guides me along the right paths for his namesake. He gives us direction here. Shepherds are constantly on the move. Something also that's unique about sheep, they can't just stay penned up. They have to continue to move because if they stay in one place too long, the water sources get poisoned. Where they're eating, there's parasites that actually happen and they have to move. However, if they move too much too quickly, 
as I had mentioned, there's lots of danger that comes with that. And they get spooked and finicky, and they get kind of crazy. So a good shepherd has to know his flock, has to know, when is this a time where I need to force them to stay there, and I need to force them to rest? And when is the time where I need to force them to move even though they don't want to? Because she would just stay in one place over and over and over again and just stay in that spot. I think of those times in my life where I feel like a lot of times I'm in the same way that when you're following after the Lord, have you ever been in a spot before where you feel like, man, God, I really want to go over there. And you just feel the Holy Spirit tell you, you know, I got you placed right where I want you to be. And you're like, no, 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 this way looks, look at all that green grass over there. Why can't I just move there? That looks awesome. I want to do this. And God's just like, nope, I haven't placed you there yet. I placed you here for such a time as this, for this purpose. And then it seems like sometimes we're in this spot where we get to where we want to go. We're feeling so comfortable. And then the Lord says, hey, it's time for you to move. And you're like, wait, I just got to, I'm in the great spot. What am I doing here, right? To the good shepherd, the one who gives us the directional needs, when we follow after him, he will move us when we need to move, and he will allow us to stay when we need to stay. The question is, what are you allowing to give you directions? Are we somebody who will just... I was talking yesterday as we were um, moving Stephanie and Johnny from our church. I am a what I call a GPS slave. I get on my phone... Wherever I'm going, I put in the address, and I just do exactly what it tells me to do, right? I, I, it's, it's embarrassing for me being vulnerable, vulnerable up here. I am, I'm really horrible at directions, and I hate that. I hate it because I feel like it's kind of like it attacks my manhood. I feel like a man who like knows where they're going, you know what I mean? Like those people who always like, hey, just follow me, but I'm horrible with it. If I don't pull up that GPS, I, I just get lost, and... You know, you kind of have those times where what are we listening to, right? Where are, is directing our steps? Are we just deciding to go like me where I don't use my GPS and just kind of free it and all of a sudden wind up trying to get to Tacoma? I'm in Olympia, right? Like, what are we allowing to guide our steps? I think it's also important for each one of us. Let's say that I decide to meet Brandon for lunch somewhere. I'm following my GPS, and he's following his GPS, too. You'll notice that if I follow his, we're going to be in a bad time, right? Every single one of us has this plan that as we listen to the Holy Spirit and we spend time allowing him to direct us, our journeys look very different from people. I think sometimes we'll look at others. We'll look at what happened in Ricky. I kind of like the way he's going. I think I'm going to attach to him. or I look at what's going on with Ashley. I want to attach to We can begin to almost come alongside other people and try to walk their journey. But you, you listen to me. You are on your own journey with God. You are on your own. And if you follow anyone else's journey, if you try to follow mine or you try to follow anyone else's, you're going to be in the wrong spot for you. The third need, he gets to our, he supplies our emotional needs. Verse four, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. This phrase, if you've heard this verse before, you may have um, heard the phrase, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Um, literally in the Bible, when you look at it, the phrase is darkest valley. And they use it as an idiom. That's where we get to the valley of the shadow of death. 
is it literally means like oppressive darkness. You see that word here in the Hebrew get translated elsewhere, thick darkness, deep darkness. I know as a kid, a lot of times we would go hiking in some caves in Arizona and we would go back into these old mining caves that would just seem to seemingly go on forever. And we'd go out there with the flashlights and then eventually we'd you know, be with my, my parents and my brother and we just turn off the flashlights. And you know when you're in a spot and you turn off the light, eventually your eyes will kind of adjust so you can kind of see what's going on. Like where we would go, there would be no adjustment. You're, you turn off the lights and it's, it's weird. You can almost feel the darkness around you. Like there was nothing that was actually there. A really creepy and really kind of terrifying feeling to be like, my eyes aren't allowing me to see anything, right? This is what uh, David is describing is this idea, this, um, this idea of oppressive darkness also is an idiom for death. So that's where we get the valley of the shadow of death. And valleys are not somewhere, if you're with a, a herd that you really want to be. They're not safe. You can get attacked very easily. You don't know what's around you, right? So you can get attacked either from predators who hang out there. You can get attacked by armies. You can have flash floods where the weather is fine where you're at and you will have a 20-foot wall of water just come towards you instantly and take you out. And also, you would get in a situation where in a valley, the sun goes down at like 1 or 2 p.m., right? Because it goes behind the mountain and Sheep, as I had mentioned, not being the smartest animal, would think it's nighttime and would all of a sudden get terrified, even though it's basically like one o'clock in the afternoon. I love this um, idea, David here, when he talks about being comforted by the rod and staff, comforted by the things that protect the sheep. It really makes me think about but notice that what David doesn't say here, he doesn't say, Lord, you keep me from the valleys. As I'm going along with my presence, you keep me up on the mountaintops, you keep me safe. No, instead he says that when I walk through the valleys, when I walk to, through those places of intense vulnerability, when I walk through those places that I feel my most exposed and unsafe, I will not fear. It reminds me of that word last week when we talked about Yahweh Shalom, right? That peace is the absence of conflict and quiet, but Shalom is wholeness, completeness in the midst of what's going on around you. David knows, and David, King David, has walked through some valleys of darkness and depression. It's, I mean, he, would, he literally had times of his life where he was on the ground, not eating or drinking, just in so much pain before God. He knows what the valleys are. But it's in those times that he says, I will not fear because I know that you are my shepherd, Yahweh Roi. The fourth one that he provides for us is our physical needs. Verse five, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Preparing a table before, it's really the picture of him providing a banquet feast, him providing for us and providing for our physical needs, right? He's giving us a meal in that area in front of all of our enemies. Enemies are anybody who's in opposition to you. So when you are at, you need those physical elements, right? It's just simply talking about you prepare a table before me. You provide for my everyday needs that you have. It reminds me of um, the Lord's Prayer. You know, give us this day our daily bread. 
Like, there's this idea constantly we see in Scripture that God is the one who provides for our needs. It may seem like it isn't, but it's really coming from the Lord. Another fascinating thing, this term shepherd, roe, here, the literal term is one who feeds or feeder. Like for us, when we get our English word shepherd, right? Shep, sheep, and herding. But for them, it's feeder or one who feeds. So you can think of that if when my kids run up, I'm sure you'll see them after service, coming up for me for a snack, <laughs> right? Wanting something. If I were to give them a piece of food, I am feeding them. I am shepherding them, according to the Hebrew. That this term shepherd really means feed or to provide your physical needs for. And that's kind of the main job of the shepherd is to make sure that the physical needs, everything is supplied by the shepherd. They're phys- they're all of the physical needs, whether it be food, whether it be um, if they get injured and they need healing, anything that physically they need, the shepherd is responsible for because no one else is going to do it. And I love this phrase, you anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Not only does he provide for our most basic needs, but he will bless us in abundance above those. And this is really interesting. It's no mistake that he contrasts these two ideas back to back, right? Walking through the valley of the shadow of death, walking through the dark times, and then the very next verse talks about giving needs, right? The Lord provides our needs. That's where his provision is. Sometimes, though, it doesn't always feel that way. Sometimes we walk through the valleys and say, God, where are you? Where are my, you said that you would provide all of my needs. It's this mystery that we see, that on the one hand, God provides our needs, and he blesses us so much more than we could possibly imagine. And yet, sometimes aren't we still walking through the valley? We're still like, what? What's going on here? And then lastly, we see an eternal need that he provides. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Goodness and love following after. It kind of gives me that word follow. Uh, In Hebrew, means like to pursue or even persecute. It's like a, think of like a, a, a prosecu- like the prosecution, like continuing to go after somebody, you know, and prosecuting them. Kind of like to think of like the little sheepdogs of the flock, you know what I mean? You got these big herds together, and all of a sudden you get that one sheep that kind of goes be- behind, and kind of goes and gets to go off. And the sheepdogs of love and goodness will follow you. That when you're part of his flock... And when you begin to get off and you begin to go off to the side, that you have these two things that will, perse- that will persecute you. Love and goodness will persecute. They'll nip at your heels to get you back into the flock. I love that picture, that we will be followed. No matter how far we go, those dogs will continue to come after. We also see in the New Testament, Jesus picks up the theme, right, of leaving the 99 to ch- search out that one. That Jesus, in his love and in his goodness, pursues after us and brings us back when we think that we are lost and we think that we are not worth his time. So let me ask you, if we can go back to the list of five needs that we're looking at. We have these needs here. If Yahweh, Roe, provides for our spiritual needs, our directional needs, our emotional needs, physical needs, and eternal needs. What need do you have that doesn't fit into one of these categories? What need do you have 
that doesn't fit into one of these. So I guess what he's saying here is that God will supply all of our needs. Amen? I guess what he's saying is that when the Lord is our shepherd, Yahweh, Roe, that he will be the one who provides it for us, that he ultimately is our provider. And so I want to ask a question. We're going to transition to our tables right now. And the first question on there that I want to ask, is the Lord your shepherd? Think about that right now before you go and talk about our tables. Is the Lord your shepherd? Do me a favor, though, and don't misunderstand the question. The question is, is the Lord your shepherd? I didn't ask, is the Lord your savior? The Lord your savior is different than the Lord being your shepherd. The Lord being your savior is mean that you have received Jesus and you follow after him. The Lord your shepherd means is that you allow him to provide your needs, that you allow him to refresh your soul instead of just taking rest, that you allow him to guide you and to move you instead of you moving and guiding yourself. Having the Lord your shepherd means that you allow God to help you control your emotions as opposed to a looking at life around us and using that to actually change our emotional state. Do we really believe that at the end of the day, even though we can provide for ourselves with a lot of our physical um, needs, that it's God who actually supplies all of that stuff? And lastly, do we allow him to chase after us with his love and goodness at the times that we leave the flock because we think we're not worth it, because we think we're not living up to whatever it is, the times that we just feel isolated and we feel like we're on ourselves? Do we allow love and goodness to be that sheepdog to bring us back? Do we allow to be wrapped up in the arms of Jesus and be brought back? Or do we continue in our isolation? So let's take a moment and turn to our tables and a little bit of time as we begin to walk through the process through this.